0: This is a Triple J podcast. Hack. Hey, it's Dave Marchese. Welcome to the Hack podcast. What is the biggest issue with universities right now? What do you reckon? Is it hex placement poverty, online learning? Because a massive review into higher education, into universities is underway right now. We've spoken about it in the past, but they've just released an interim report recommending some big reforms already. So what is going to change? On this podcast, we're talking barriers to studying, how to improve universities. We've got the Education Minister on to answer some questions. Later, we're also going to take a look at this actors' strike in the US. You might have heard a bit about it already this week. What kind of an impact is it having here? Big show. Let's get into it. Hack.
1: One of the biggest issues in rural communities is a lack of good education services.
0: On Triple J. By the middle of this century, more than half of all the jobs here in Australia are probably going to need a uni degree for you to do them. A lot of young people already do go to university in Australia, but it's not too balanced. Like, if you're poorer, if you're Indigenous, if you live in the bush, you're a lot less likely to go to university. We've known this for a while, so how do we change it? A massive review is underway at the moment it's focusing on that and a lot of other big issues it's going to be finished by the end of the year today the government did release this interim report in a minute we'll speak with the education minister but first joe lauder explains what's in the report almost one in two young australians today has a uni degree
2: this is a federal education minister jason Clare.
3: but not everywhere Not where I grew up, not in the outer suburbs of our big cities, not in the regions, not in poor families. And it's even lower if you're Indigenous.
2: Today, the government released its first report from the expert panel into how to overhaul the uni sector and get more people studying. The report has five recommendations for the government to get cracking on immediately and other ideas that they wanted to put out there for a debate before the final report drops in December. The government's agreed to all five of the recommendations. This is what they are. First up, they're going to boost regional uni centres to get more students from regional areas into uni without them having to move away. You're going to hear more about that later in the show. Secondly, they're scrapping the rule where students lose government funding if they fail more than half their subjects. ANU higher education expert Professor Andrew Norton says this gives unis more discretion to decide if these students should stick with uni or not.
3: So if they say the factors that caused you to fail were temporary uh, and can be fixed, uh, you can continue, but if this is revealing fundamental academic problems, then there's no point accumulating more help debt and continuing with your course.
2: As part of the reforms, all Indigenous students will now be eligible for government funded places if they meet the entry requirements for the course. At the moment, that's only the case for First Nations students in regional and remote areas, says Katrina Jackson from Universities Australia. Look, I think every single university, every single one of my members knows we have more work to do, but we can't do that alone. We need to do that with government. The last two recommendations are about how unis run. So, to guarantee funding and limit disruption over the next couple of years. And last up, because there's been lots of issues with uni management and wage theft claims. The federal government will work with the states to improve uni governance and focus on students' safety and unis being good employers. The report highlighted that one in 20 students have been sexually assaulted since starting uni. Katrina admits it's a problem. We've had a long program of work on trying to make our campuses safer places for students to be, a long program of work on combating the terrible scourge of sexual assault and sexual harassment. Uh, We want as much help as we can get. Some of the other ideas that have been floated are a levy on international student fee incomes, government support when students have to do placements, and changing the way student debts are indexed. Professor Andrew Norton reckons the previous government's Jobs Ready Graduates reforms will also be axed. You know, the Jobs Ready Graduate program.
3: So, Job Ready Graduates was designed to encourage people to do courses the government liked by discounting student contributions and discouraged students from doing courses the government didn't like, such as arts, by, in that case, more than doubling the student contribution. The interim report clearly says this is a bad system. I think I'm 100% confident that people will no longer be paying $15,000 a year for an arts degree in the future.
1: You're listening to Hack on Triple J.
0: Joe Lauder with that update. Let us know what you think about these reforms that are being put forward. You can message in 0439757555. I did ask just before what you reckon the biggest issues are. Someone says, hex crazy debt for young poor people. Another person is someone from a lower middle class background. I find that one of the biggest factors when considering uni is the cost and prospect of it putting you in debt for decades after. That is a big one. Well, let's unpack... This and other issues with the Education Minister himself. Jason Clare is with us now. Minister, thanks for coming on Hack. G'day, it's great to be here. As we've heard, this is just the interim report. A final report's going to come later this year, but it gives us a bit of a taste. And I guess the long and short of it seems to be that we need to be getting more young people into university, into TAFE as well. The thing is, the gap between rich and poor students is in some cases getting worse. I mean, so there've been a lot of goals and promises and recommendations in the past that haven't been achieved. How are you going to make sure this does happen?
3: Yeah, you're right. What this report says is that more and more jobs are going to require a university degree in the future. I think nine out of 10 jobs created in the next decade will require you to finish school and then go on to either TAFE or university. Five of those nine will require a university qualification. Four of them will require a TAFE qualification. So that means that means more people going to TAFE, more people going to university. And even though about one in two young Australians in their 20s or 30s have a university de- degree today, that number's not that high in the regions. It's not that high in the bush or in remote parts of Australia. It's not even that high in the outer suburbs of Sydney or Brisbane or Melbourne. In those areas... It's much, much lower. And, and if you're a young person who comes from a poor family, then it's as low as 15%. If you're a young Indigenous Australian, it's as low as 17%. Now,
0: now, this report says we've got to fix that. So what's the benchmark that you're trying to hit? Like, is there going to be a target that the government will have so it knows whether or not it's succeeding?
3: It, it, there's targets in this report that the panel that have put it together, want feedback on. They they say we need population parity by 2035. In other words, that you have the same proportion of people from poor backgrounds in the community in our universities by 2035. You know, it's a big, bold target. Attempts in the past, whether it's Whitlam or Dawkins or Gillard, have had limited success here. This report says... This is no longer just the right thing to do to make sure that young people from poorer backgrounds and from regional Australia get a crack at uni. This is something we have to do. If we don't, then we're not going to have enough skilled workers in the right areas doing the right things for the type of workforce that's going to exist in the middle of this century.
0: Minister, one of the biggest issues facing students at the moment is placement poverty. Like, many just can't afford to do compulsory placements. They're skipping meals, living below the poverty line you know, some of our listeners have said to us that they've given up their studies because they just can't afford it. I'm sure you're hearing the same thing from students. Can you commit to financial support then for those doing uni placements? Can you commit to that?
3: Well, this is one of the ideas in the second half of this report where people are asking for feedback. So I'm interested to see what people say about this idea in in the report. Certainly as I've spoken to students. I remember talking to a bunch of nursing students at Griffith University a couple of months ago. They made the point that in a three-year degree for nursing, one of those years is effectively placement, where they're working in a hospital, and that for the students I spoke to, they said, look, I've got to give up my part-time job Mm. in order to do the placement, and so that means money that I would otherwise have for rent or to pay the bills, pay for food, pay to go out, isn't there. And they described it like you just did, placement poverty. So what this report suggests, and as I said, there's, there's things in this report that they want us to act on right now. There's other things that they want to debate in the community about. This is in that second category. What it suggests in there is that for students who are doing compulsory placements, like teaching or nursing or early education, things like that, that there sh- should be some sort of payment to help them make sure they can get through university, there.
0: Do you reckon that one needs feedback, though, because it just seems like one that would be a very easy fix and a major barrier there that's blocking so many people from either starting or continuing their studies.
3: Oh, look, I think there'll be some people who will want to talk about who's in, who's out. You know, what 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 sort of what sort of courses at university qualify under different definitions of compulsory. Uh, placements. There'll be all of that. That'll happen as well. One of the other things we're doing, incidentally, and it rolls out next year, is scholarships to encourage people as they leave school to go into teaching. You know, there are a lot of people at the moment who leap out of school and go off into law or to business courses. I want more people to become teachers. A placement payment like this could help as well. Uh, so I'm I'm keen as part of the big debate which I reckon will happen on everything in this report, for people to give us their feedback on it.
0: Okay, what about HEX? Because I know the experts are looking at the system, indexation, it's caused a lot of stress for young people this year in particular. Are there going to be changes there? The the report's looking at that as well. They're looking at the way it's indexed, but
3: they're also looking at the whole HEX system or what's now called HELP.
0: Do you think there needs to be changes to the way that indexation is applied? You oh, personally? I, I
3: purposefully and deliberately referred it to the Accord team because this is one part of a bigger piece of reform they're looking at. Remember the Job Ready Graduate Scheme that the former government rolled out where they doubled the cost of arts degrees and humanities degrees? They're looking at that. This interim report tells us that that hasn't worked Uh, They say in this report that it needs to be redesigned before it causes damage to the higher education system, but they haven't in this report said what changes they think needs to be made. They've got Professor Bruce Chapman, the, 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 the man who created HEX many years ago, working with them on what a new design for HEX, or what we now call HELP, could or should look like. And looking at indexation and how that works is just one part of that.
0: I guess part of it, Minister, is also recognition from politicians, from government, that this is stressful. Like, dealing with the highest rate of indexation in 30 years is a lot of stress when you're looking at the figures and you see that you may owe more now than you did when you finished studying. Because there are politicians that say, oh, yeah, but it's not... Uh, It's not increasing the amount you're paying week by week. Yes, it means you might be paying it off for longer, but it's the recognition that it is a stress for so many young people. Oh, yeah,
3: yeah. No, 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 I get that. uh, Look, I also have to make the point it's different than if you've got, say, a home loan where interest rates go up and your payments go up. That's not how a HEX loan works you pay based on your income rather than uh, an interest rate. It's still a debt, though. It's still a debt. No, 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 I totally get it. I don't want to diminish that because I know a lot of people listening will be looking at that and thinking about that. But I also want young people who might be listening, who aren't at university yet, they might be at high school, to, to, to not be put off by the idea of going to university. If you go to university and get a degree, your average income in your working life is $100,000. Whereas if you finish high school and don't go on to TAFE or uni, it's $70,000. So there is a big benefit to going to university. And I want, and, you know, this report tells us that more and more people are going to need those skills. I want more people to think about university and not be not be put off or think that it's not a good idea. It is. It's critical in making sure that you've got the skills you
0: need for success in the years ahead. You're listening to I'm Dave Mukasey. I'm speaking with Education Minister Jason Clare about this interim report into universities that's been released today. Minister, there's an idea out there that unis are too commercial now, that they're focused too much on business, not enough on students, and... I need to tell you, like, some of the students that talk to us about their experiences have said things like they feel like they're at the self-serve checkout sometimes. That's what their university experience has been like. Yeah. Do you think it's fair to say that universities have let students down?
3: Look, I I, I wouldn't say that because I think that a university degree today is your ticket to the show. university degree is what sets you up for the future. Most Australians, when you ask them, do you feel like it was a good idea to go to university, will say yes. Uh, That Does it mean that our universities are perfect or that they're fit for the future? No. And there's more changes we need to make. You look at our universities, we've got about 40 odd of them, they all look pretty much the same size, they all offer the same sort of courses. One of the things that this report suggests is that maybe in the future, not only will we have more students, but we'll have more universities of a different size, of a different scale and different specialisation. And you may have a situation where you've got courses being offered which are a mixture of TAFE and university or a mixture of vocational education and university. So there there are ideas in this report about how we improve things and how we grow things in the future. And that might mean that university looks a lot different in the decades ahead, than it does now. Well,
0: look, there'll be a lot of conversations, a lot of discussions around these ideas, and we'll be keeping listeners across it, especially as we work towards that final report later this year. Education Minister Jason Clare, thank you very much for making the time to come on Hack. No worries. Thanks, Dave. And we've got a lot of messages coming through on the text line. Someone says, I don't think we should push people into university. It's overpriced. It's not worth it. We should be improving TAFE and making it a more viable solution. I regret my uni degree and the 66 grand worth of debt it's left me in. Another person says, I'm currently on a 10-week placement for occupational therapy. No pay. It's really tough to get by. This should be all degrees. Someone else, I went to uni in the city and I'm from a small regional community and the hardest thing was my not understanding how difficult it was for me financially and mentally. That is a really interesting one because as we've heard, one of the big things announced by the government today is building more regional university centres in the country, also in the suburbs, to give people access to to resources and to studying so they don't have to leave their communities, right, so they don't have to leave home. There are a few operating already. So what is it like to study at one? If you are at a regional university centre, let us know. Message in 043975755. Reporter Toby Loftus has been talking to some students who are doing this, who are making the most of their studies in the bush. If you're a uni student here in St George,
4: things are a bit different to typical campus life. This tiny town is 500k's west of Brisbane and about 3,000 people call it home.
1: Just being able to go to the coffee shop every morning and they know my name and they know my order and I know people in there and it's social and you can have a chat.
4: It's home for Lucy Seville. She wouldn't want to be anywhere else.
1: I left here for boarding school so I went away to Brisbane for grades 8 to 12, basically decided that I didn't like the city and so when I graduated I knew that I wanted to study but I knew that I wanted to come back home because this is where my family is and I really love small communities.
4: Lucy's a student at the University of New England, but the closest campus is about a six hour drive. So. Lucy uses the Country University Centre, or CUC, in town.
1: Things like good internet, you know, dual screens, printing, Wi-Fi, as well as a sort of student support network.
4: Were you studying at home before the CUC was created?
1: I would go to the library. It, It was still good, but at the same time, I would just have my laptop. I wouldn't have someone to ask university questions or resourcing questions. So now we have a learning skills advisor who I can ask to read my assignments and proofread them for me, which is unbelievably helpful. A lot of
4: young people leave towns like St. George for study. How has this facility sort of stopped you from doing that?
1: If I didn't have this facility, it's very possible that I may have given up and ended up having to go away and um, leave a bit of a gap in the, in the young people in St George, which is um, sort of growing.
5: Declining populations have been a trend across western shires for many, many years, and this is one way we're starting to address that decline. Matthew
4: McGinn from the CUC says it's been more popular than first expected, with 83 students from heaps of unis now coming in.
5: Yeah, it's just going gangbusters and we cannot believe just how the communities embrace that.
4: And now the government has announced funding will continue for hubs like this and more will be built, 20 in regional towns and 14 in suburban areas. Have you found that having this space has kept some young people in town?
5: Oh, without a doubt. Um, and the other part of that about that is, obviously, it's great for Indigenous people who really don't want to leave home to study. They want to stay here and stay with family. This gives them a wonderful opportunity, and we're starting to see that represented now in our stats around Indigenous participation. It's much higher than the national average.
4: A little further south on the New South Wales coast in Taree... Nursing graduate Mia has also studied out of one of these centres.
1: Parry University helped me only get local placements so that I could train up in my local
0: area and not have to travel all around New South Wales, which was definitely a massive help financially because I didn't have to pay for accommodation and I could stay home.
4: She now works at the local emergency department. She really thinks this kind of university model will help keep young people and their essential skills in the regions.
0: If not, I probably would have struggled. A lot may have even had to extend in order to save more money in order to finish it. So
1: it helped a lot.
4: And Lucy from St George totally agrees. She'd take a country town over a city street any day.
1: You just feel a lot less lost. Like, I feel like being able to go to footy training or play tennis, it's... It's an unbelievably social town. I guess just, just not being lost in that in that ability. I feel like there's a big perception that rural communities are sort of sleepy and what do you what do you even do there? But honestly, I feel like you can't catch a break here. Like it's so social. We're so busy. Um yeah, love St George. Hack
0: on Triple J. Toby Loftus with that report. We're still getting a lot of messages in from people about universities, commenting on what the Education Minister had to say. Someone said the best decision for me was moving from Melbourne to regional Victoria to study. The smaller classes suited my anxiety, allowed me to have more support from my lecturers due to our smaller class sizes. Another person says the ticket to the show is a trade. And they're talking about what the education minister said there when he said the ticket to the show is a university degree. This person says, no, it's a trade. No hex, great pace, uh, skills shortages. Another person says, yeah, lol at uni, get a trade. Left school after completing year 11, earned $244,000 last year. Well, that's huge. People also asking why the minister wasn't focusing on TAFE. He's not actually responsible for TAFE. So that falls under the skills minister. So he's responsible for universities and this review is looking at universities. I want to just quickly touch on this problem of young people leaving the bush to get an education just a bit more. I've got Associate Professor Ellen Charles Edwards with us now. She's a population geographer at the University of Queensland and she can maybe give us a quick update on what's happening here. Hey Ellen, thanks for coming on Hack. Oh, pleasure. Can you explain what a brain drain is and how brain drains are affecting rural and regional communities?
6: Look, the out-migration of young people from rural and regional communities is something we see across the developed world, and it's been occurring for a really long time and it has big impacts. Um, you you lose a lot of social capital, it gets difficult to put together a football team. You lose the reproductive potential of your community as well because you're losing potential parents. Look, I think it's been really interesting over the COVID period because we actually saw a bit of a reversal of that long-term net loss in young people. People did stay um, in the regions during the pandemic. And of course that was in part because capital cities weren't that attractive but also we introduced a whole range of mechanisms
0: which allow people to study and work remotely. Do we ever have a situation where people leave and then they come back um, decades later? Is that very common or do they leave and generally not come back?
6: Look, I think the best estimates have about 30% of people returning to regional and and rural areas. I mean, there's also a lot of heterogeneity. So, you know, your larger regional centres can actually do quite well. They can act to attract people from smaller communities and in sort of, I guess, the surrounding districts. Um, But certainly those smaller regional centres, I think, have a real problem with people leaving and and, and find it difficult to attract people back.
0: Right. And you say this is a problem around the world. Definitely.
6: And look, part of it, I think, is some acceptance that young people will leave. Um, They want a diversity of experiences and there is a bit of social pressure um, sometimes to leave. The main thing that we can do is though try and keep those connections with young people to those regional areas and hopefully attract them back, particularly when today I get to that stage of life where maybe they want to buy a house or settle and have a family. I think that's probably a pretty sweet spot
0: for getting people to return. It's definitely really interesting research. Thank you so much for breaking that down for us, Associate Professor Ellen Charles-Edwards. Thanks so much for joining us on Hack. And still a lot of messages coming through from people who use these regional study centres, fully back them, support them. Someone says, I completed my degree at one. Uh, I wouldn't have been able to succeed with the alternative, which was online distance uni. That wouldn't have worked. So, yeah, a lot of support for that. Hey, so many messages coming through. We are going to have to move on, though. Hack. 95% of the actors in SAG cannot make a living from acting.
5: Netflix created a model that everyone else followed.
4: And it doesn't matter if you watch that show one, So you watch it 100 times, you're not going to get any more money.
0: So the jig is up. We stand tall. You have to wake up and smell the coffee. On Triple J. Yeah, first we saw writers go on strike in the US. Now it's actors. You might have seen the union representing, I think it's like 160,000 Hollywood actors is calling on streaming giants like Netflix, Disney to split profits in a fairer way, better working conditions. They also want this guarantee that actors' faces and voices are not going to be replaced by AI. There's a lot in this. It's a massive shutdown, the biggest in decades. You might be thinking, oh, well, what's it got to do with me? Or what's it even got to do with actors in Australia? Well, let's find out. Let's talk to one of the people who is affected by this. He's a friend to hack, a shake-up favourite, Australian actor Remy He. Thanks for coming on. Hi, Dave. Thank you so much for having me. How does this strike in the US actually affect you and other actors in Australia?
5: oh boy (laughs) first of all can i say that uh yeah this is this strike right now is absolutely historic i feel like we are at a completely historical turning point for our industry and it is going to affect people in in the states in hollywood in the uk in australia um because uh, a lot of jobs come from um come from Hollywood and their jobs that could be shooting here uh it was just recently reported that uh, one of the biggest ever tv shows of the year an Apple TV plus show was set to shoot in Melbourne um with one of the biggest budgets and they had to withdraw and pull out due to due to the writer's strike first and now the actor's strike and so these are hundreds of Australian jobs that have been lost from all across the profession, from acting to behind the scenes.
0: Right. I mean, a big part of this strike as well is not being able to promote work while striking. How much of an impact does that have on the success or uh, failure of a TV show or movie? Actors being out there, being able to promote them on their socials, but also out in public?
5: Yeah, obviously,
0: social media has
5: played a huge part in um, the new model of promoting works across cinema and TV shows. And, I mean, I have to say, like... Uh, it, it was a little bit of a a, a a curvy one for me because I just got invited to a premiere of a film that I probably can't even speak about. And then I realised that if I'd posted about it as they were kind of encouraging us to do so, that would be in breach of the SAG rules. Oh. You can be disbarred. People who want to join SAG in the future, if they're found to be promoting um, films at the moment, th- that can lead to, like troubles uh, getting access into the union. This is how seriously uh, the union is taking this fight, this historic battle against the studios who are really effectively And they've said it out loud, they are trying to bleed us dry.
0: That's so interesting, like, that, the consequences are that severe, right? Because people probably wouldn't have thought that. You are listening to Hack. I'm Dave Marchese. I'm speaking with actor Remy He about the actor's strike that we're seeing uh, really play out in the US, but also the implications here in Australia as well. Like, we saw, um, you know, uh, an Eric Banner movie is now delayed. It was supposed to open next month, but that's been pushed back. Remy, we've been hearing from heaps of actors who are saying, you know, not every actor is a millionaire. Do you think that there's a bit of a misconception out there in the broader community about uh, acting in general, actors, the struggle, the conditions that they face?
5: Yeah, I think so. I think, you know, obviously it's easy to just look at the the top one percent because they are the people who are constantly seeing on the billboards, in the trailers, and, you know, they're the people who get the private jets being flown around the world to premieres and what have you. But the vast, the reality is that the vast majority of us are just going from job to job, um, living paycheck to paycheck. And uh, yeah, like th- this is what we're talking about. The ability to live sustainably and get a living wage. From from this job, and a huge part of that comes from things like residuals. Actors have always been able to pay their bills through things like residuals, which have been completely eroded from the new streaming model.
0: Yeah, interesting. Uh, and uh, people may not understand exactly how that works, but basically, with streamers now, actors aren't getting the same you know pay that they would have before. They're not getting uh, a paycheck every time their show is shown on TV or something. Is that right?
5: No, you, you're you basically getting a complete buyout at a um, very, like, minimum rate and with, with no, no promise of future earnings
0: whatsoever. Hey, Remy, the AI thing, the artificial intelligence <laughs> thing, that's so interesting because we're seeing it across the board, like, in terms of other industries. But is this a really big worry for you or your mates in the acting profession, oh, the idea that AI could take over a lot of work in the future? Look at how far AI has come in just the few
5: months this year, the conversations that we were having in January to the conversations that we're having now. I think that AI is moving at breakneck speeds, and the studios have said that they want to be able to scan performers' images, pay them for a half day of work, and then use that likeness forever for any purpose without their consent, and they want to do it for $200. Um, So this is what the studios have proposed, this is what they want, and this is what we're fighting against. And to hear uh, uh, studio heads like Bob Iger from Disney to say that our demands, SAG-AFTRA's demands, are unrealistic, you kind of have to turn it around and say, well, actually, mate, I think that this is a little bit unrealistic.
0: Well, hey, we're going to be keeping across this one as well. The Actors Strike people are seeing a a lot of it in their social feeds. I know I am, Actor Remy He. Thank you very much for having a chat with us. I know you're a very busy person, so I do appreciate you making the time to come on. (laughs) Any time for you, Dave. (laughs) Thank you, mate. We've also got some messages still coming through on the university story. Someone says, if you want health and other professionals in the country, you need to make it possible to get those degrees here in the country. The choice of online courses is limited. Someone else... Why aren't some uni degrees like teaching and nursing treated like apprenticeships, both hands-on and paid to learn? And somebody else says it would be great if the Aussie unis could band together to put pressure on the government to get rid of hex help indexation. That is a big one. We are hearing from you loud and clear on that. And that's all we've got time for on the Hack Podcast for now. I'll catch you next time. Hack
4: on Triple Jack.